0: Weekend, the band that's opening up episode 235 of Monster Kid Radio celebrated their 100th live show. I'm talking about the band The Revomatics. They're based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They just did their 100th show at the Fong Fest in North Riverside, Illinois. Congratulations, guys. We're going to celebrate them hitting 100 shows by opening up this episode of the podcast with the song Bikini A Toll. From the band The Revomatics, the album is called We Come in Peace. It was released earlier this summer. You can pick it up on Amazon or iTunes. Just look up the Revomatics. You can pick up their previous albums, Hot Rod Strut, and Live at Lucky Joe's Tiki Room on their Bandcamp page. You can find links to all of this in the show notes at monsterkidradio.net. That's the website for Monster Kid Radio, the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to episode 235 of the podcast the first in our new format okay really there's not a big change really the only change is that there's only going to be one episode this week instead of two but you're going to get all the same content all the same material that you would normally get in the previous two episode per week monster kid radio i'm just not cutting the conversation in half this time and spreading it out over two episodes it means this episode's going to be a little bit longer than normal this will probably be the new normal here on monster kid radio i hope you enjoy what we've got cooked up. The conversation that I am not cutting in half in this episode of Monster Kid Radio is a conversation with Tony Wendell from The Gigantic Project. The Gigantic Project is a blog dedicated to kaiju, mecca, and everything large, and when it comes to talking about kaiju films, I have a blast talking about them with Tony, and this time around we are going to be talking about the 1966 film The War of the Gargantuos."
1: The War of the Gargantuas. See the two mighty gargantuas battle to the death. In color, rated G. General audience from United Productions of America. A subsidiary of DEI industry.
0: Now, Tony joined me back in July in episodes 213 and 214 to talk about the movie Frankenstein Conquers the World, which came out the previous year from Toho. This film is kind of sort of a follow-up, but we're going to get into that while we catch up with Tony here in a little bit. At the end of the show, we've got some more feedback to go over. Another call from Stephen D. Sullivan, one of Monster Kid Radio's favorite writers. He's calling with an update to the voicemail that he left last week on the show regarding Doctor Who. So you'll want to stick around for that as well. And then, of course, I'll talk about some of the upcoming events coming up for Monster Kid Radio for the locals or anybody planning on making themselves local over the next few weeks and or months. But before all that, like I said, we've got Tony Wendell on deck waiting with a couple of giant monsters that probably are tired of being patient with me. So why don't we get to that right after this.
1: From the ocean's unfathomable depths, a gigantic man-like creature appears. of the earth comes a prehistoric mastodon of destruction never before has the screen known such heart-stopping terror starring nick adams well i feel he's very important from a scientific point of view i'd have to cut off a leg or an arm doctors i won't let you conduct this test frankenstein ...with the strength of a thousand men. And every man's need for affection that makes him a willing captive. The chain hurts you. (laughs) The new scoop of the century. The horrifying touch of a severed hand with a life of its own. The terrifying force of a monster that dwarfs man's tallest structures. (laughs) you <laughs>
2: Our own come the forces of nature unleashed. Daikaiju Attack, the serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and sdsullivan.com Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack Group on Facebook. Join the action today.
1: Rocket ship to unexplored planets, captured by unknown powers. Yog, monster from space. You are powerless against me. irresistible, terrorizing monster. We have merged ourselves into the giant crab and the jungle turtle. monsters never before seen, the unconquerable, the unbelievable.
0: Hey listeners, before we kick into this conversation with Tony, I forgot to mention at the top of the show that our conversation about War of the Gargantuas is full of spoilers. In fact, we kind of go over the entire story, the entire plot. So if you've not seen the film and you don't want to have the film spoiled for you, well, you've got two options. One, you can hit pause, go watch War of the Gargantuas and come back, or two, fast forward about 45 minutes. And that way the movie won't be spoiled for you. But really, if you've not seen War of the Gargantuas, it's awesome. You need to check it out. I'm going to play the trailer and then we're going to get into that conversation with Tony. So spoiler alert, you've been warned.
1: I'm sure there are two monsters. I got a funny hunch that they're not related as we know father and mother or brother. One might be the other's offspring. I helped bring him up. I knew him better than anyone. He was always such a gentle little creature. It's not just a theory that the mountain monster is a harmless creature. The two monsters are known to be near brothers. If one is a killer, so is the other one. Well, that's just what I needed. I want the laser guns put into operation.
0: This man joined Monster Kid Radio for the first time to talk about Frankenstein Conquers the World. We wanted to have him back to talk about the next giant monster film on the Toho Slate. That's kind of sort of related to this film from The Gigantic Project. Tony Wendell, welcome back to Monster Kid Radio.
3: I'm taking a break searching for my evil clone to return.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate you taking the time. How's it been going, sir?
3: Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: How are things over at The Gigantic Project?
3: Pretty good. After we get this recording done, i got to sit myself down and get some more uh, drafts and different posts ready to get posting this week. My well of posts ready to go is gone, so... Gonna, but I've got everything done. I can take the time to focus and get some blog posts done this afternoon.
0: It's a blog that I follow, a website that I follow. I'm always checking out the website. It's a blog dedicated to Kaiju, Mecca, and everything large. As of this recording, and I'm sure there will be a few more posts by the time this goes out, you just talked about the movie Godzilla's Revenge. And, yes, uh, which unfortunately, yeah.
3: because I try, I couldn't help but give it the rating I did. We have a soft side for these for the genre of giant monsters and monsters in general. But considering I've been trying to gear my blog to get the newbies and those who are unfamiliar to the genre a taste of what they should be really focusing on for the good entertainment, I can't help but give the be as harsh on Godzilla's revenge as I was. Compared to the other things that are more mandatory that people see, it really is something that could be put on the back burner.
0: You don't have to apologize, man. It's it's not your fault.
3: <laughs> no. So, we're talking today about War of the Gargantuas. Yeah, let's
0: talk about a better movie. Let's talk about War of the Gargantuas, which is one that I had seen before, but it's been a very long time. I made sure to watch the uh, subtitled version this time around, but I've seen it dubbed. What version did you watch for this?
3: I actually cracked open that uh, two-pack of uh, War of the Gargantua and Rodan that I said I got on the previous episode. Nice. And I watched the subtitled version. When I emailed you to tell you that the Frankenstein Conquest of Monsters fell into the Godzilla continuity, it was a se- semi sequel. War of the Gargantua was uh, referenced in a later Godzilla movie. It uh, turns out I was wrong about that.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
3: Uh, I, I, I really miss said. It turns out after rewatching it this time, War of the Gargantuas isn't a semi sequel, it's a Full sequel with a lot of retconning going on.
0: Yeah, I noticed that when I watched it this time around. I think I just watched it uh, earlier this week.
3: For those that don't know, and I was actually schooled on this one, so I know the exact way of saying it. Okay. I did a Transformer panel and kept using the phrasing wrong. But retconning, for those that don't know, is retroactive continuity, wherein they're going to keep going with the story that they already told you, but they're going to polish up or change some of the things that they already said in the show or movie previously.
0: Or comic book. It's a very common thing in comic books as well.
3: Oh, yeah. Now, it was really shown once they go to – they flashback to the Kumi Mizuno character – or not flashback, but they actually reintroduce the Kumi Mizuno character, who in this version is named Akimi – compared to what she was in uh, Frankenstein conquers the world where she mentions both Frankenstein coming to say goodbye to her in Kyoto which was the balcony scene and how they lost him in the fight on Mount Fuji so making it this is a full continuity wherein for the sake of just you know being able to explain this better we should probably not wait for the as we talk about the as the movie goes on the naming scene where they name the different the two gargantuas in sure yeah for the sake of Of just being able to get the confusion out. The green one is Gaira or Gai La, as it was called in uh, the dub on the subtitle version we both watched. Mm -hmm. And the brown one is called Sanda. The reference behind that is Gai or Kai means sea and sand means mountain. So it's really just the sea monster and the mountain monster. Mm -hmm. But thanks to the way it's told, and making it a, a sequel with retconning going on, Sanda is the original Frankenstein, and Gyra was enough of him that broke off, basically in the fight with Baragon, who's never mentioned again and who's never mentioned in the entire movie, right? And grew into a full-grown uh, Frankenstein on his own in the sea. So that's why he's able to swim and adapt in there more than uh, Sanda, who prefers to stay in the mountains.
0: It's a weird connection, and to try to make the two movies work back-to-back, it strained my brain a little bit because of the different things that happen in the film, the way they do retcon the continuity, and man, I miss Nick Adams so much.
3: Yeah, I think that's why I thought it was a semi-sequel. It makes so much more sense if you think about the movie as they took a chunk of the original Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. raised it from a small kid, they connected with that one, It had a chunk of itself fall off and grew in the wild where it became the more feral and evil uh, Gyra, and then they eventually meet and fight to the death. That makes so much more sense than basically uh, revamping your entire history that you said in the previous movie just for this all to make sense.
0: Right. It's odd. They could have done it as a standalone. They didn't have to try to connect it. I, I don't know what the reasoning or what this decision making process was behind that.
3: It really is just to uh keep with the Frankenstein idea, but essentially they could have a whole totally different movie with only two or three minutes of extra dialogue you can frame, oh yeah, we cre- somehow created this monster. He grew, uh he has extreme regenerative abilities, a chunk floated off near the water and it grew into another one.
0: Yeah. That's all you need to do. Yep. Oh well. I'd still miss Nick Adams. so.
3: <laughs> Who's replaced by uh, Dr. Stewart, played by Russ Tamblin, who Monster Kids will, of course, know from Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Replayed Rico. But unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't seen Dracula vs. Frankenstein or any other uh, movies with him. Can I ask, as someone who has seen it, what are we getting here for a Russ Tamblyn performance? Is this good? He feels... Uh, what, what's the word I'm working for here? would just say... um, wouldn't I have to say it would be the best description?
0: He feels sleepy to me. Sleepy, like his yeah, His heart's hour, not hour really sleepy, in sleepy. it. Yeah. yeah. It's not phenomenal. It feels very perfunctory. It's not very engaging. Granted, Russ Tamlin, I mean, he's a good actor, but yeah. he just feels, I don't want to say he's phoning it in. And I did read that the dubbed version of this had some issues where he had to go back and re-dub his voice, and it sounds even worse because he sounds even less interested. But... Yeah. Yeah, there's just he's just not that great. He's not that engaging in this.
3: He's supposed to be having moments where he's uh, fawning over Akimi, and it's not even holding a candle to the vibes we were getting off uh, Nick Adams and Kumi Mizuno in the previous movie.
0: Exactly. No, the, the chemistry here seems forced to me. It just doesn't hold up. And the worst thing that a movie performance can do is make you wish you were watching somebody else, and I feel like that happens a little bit with Russ Tamlin's character in this film. Fortunately, he's not on screen as much as Nick Adams was. I feel like the bulk of this movie, especially the second half, it's really just dedicated to a couple of monsters beating the heck out of each other. Oh, yeah. Which is fine by me. Sign me up. That's what I'm here for.
3: Yes. (laughs) So we should probably uh, get into the actual timeline discussion of how this movie breaks down. Yes, yes. We can get get to talking Mm -hmm. about the monsters going toe-to-toe.
0: So the movie, uh, just to kind of talk about the plot here, the movie does begin like a lot of these movies I feel like begins there's a, a ship out at sea and it gets attacked by something. In this case giant octopus. I had forgotten about the tentacles. I, I really did it's been a long time since I'd seen this and I had forgotten that it was an octopus at first. My memory was that it it was just one of the gargantuas right off the bat. No, Giant Octopus
3: Tying into that whole international cut which was supposed to be Frankenstein versus the devilfish, but then they scrapped that because they wanted uh, Baragon instead. Mm-hmm. They still in the devil's fish again, but here he comes back in, and he's trying to basically rip apart and eat the uh, humans that are in the shipping vessel that's going around.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Shipping
3: or cargo, it's hard to tell,
2: really.
0: Yeah, we don't spend enough time there to really – no, because one of the gargantulas shows up to stop the octopus, and you're thinking, well, that's great. This is going to be one of the good guy kaiju. You know how Godzilla is always kind of defending humanity at this time? No, that's not yep. what happens here. This is Gyra.
3: And he tosses the ship.
0: <laughs> yeah, he eats people. I was shocked. There's a lot of violence in this film. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. As I said previously, this is, Gyra is wh- who made me be afraid of the water when I first saw this movie, and I oh, hadn't yeah? seen Jaws yet. And yeah, just watching this and watching a monster. I'd actually forgotten about the scene where he's actually, you know, like trudging through the water, chasing down the people as they're swimming away. And I instead remember the scene with the actual fishing boat with the drag lines and they get stuck on him and they look down. Turns out he didn't have blood red eyes like I thought he was. He he is just, you know, pawing up, trying to grab at the boat. But he actually is not as scary as I remember him being as a kid. But Mm -hmm. he is still scary, though. He's. He is a threat.
0: Oh, it's it's intense. Uh, I was freaked out. I was surprised at how violent this thing was and that he does chase down those people who had jumped off the ship. He's not just a monster that you stumbled across. He's going to get you. And it's pretty scary. One person survives, and he tries to tell people about what happened, and nobody believes him. And I'm thinking, did you not see the previous film? Of course there are giant monsters out there. Come on. But nobody believes him that there's another one in the ocean that, that... killed his crew and everybody else
3: in a very cryptic way too he's like it was frankenstein as he's barely gasping for breath waking up that that was creepy
0: yeah i feel like as much as i had some issues with this movie and i really missed nick adams i feel like the creep factor in this one is amped up a little bit more than the previous film definitely yeah it's it's scarier
3: cut to uh dr stewart and uh Kumi Muzuno's character, Akimi, his assistant, mm-hmm. where they're working on doing research at the university where they apparently had studied and helped to raise the Frankenstein, more of that uh, retroactive continuity we were talking about earlier. And we, we come to probably the most head smacking chuckle of a moment where Dr. Stewart gets a phone call. Here's the remover appearance of a Frankenstein monster. Says, oh, wait, he kills people? Nope, not ours. Click. <laughs> I'm th- still thinking. Like, let me get this straight. You got the first phone call in forever, which is a, the lead to your biggest scientific discovery that you spent years invested in, and even the most remote rumor you dismiss because the details aren't right. <laughs> oh, he's killing people. Oh, nope, not our guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't you take the time to investigate it just
0: a little bit? I I, I, I loved that, I, and I'm assuming some of it was lost in translation, right? There has to be something there because it's so like, nope, not us. Call somebody else, uh,
3: and, and then followed by seconds later, where he has reporters who are you know coming to him because he has uh, he is obviously the Frankenstein expert, having to having to help raise the creature. And he, again, reiterates over and over again, nope, not our guy. Our Frankenstein would never kill. Despite the fact that if this is a sequel to the original, Sanda, who is the Frankenstein, would have done battle with Baragon. He would have fought to the presumed death with a monster that was breathing fire, and you don't put it past him that he would do any other type of damage. (laughs) Uh, Words are failing me here. You're you're supposed to be a doctor.
0: Yeah. Uh, it does get a chuckle out of me though. it's oh, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous as bad and a lot of these movies are plagued by some bad science and that sort of thing, but this one does get a chuckle out of me. I I liked I'm trying to imagine Nick Adams delivering that kind of a line. Just nope, not us. Yeah. Oh well. Well, Dr. Stewart and Dr. – well, she's not even a doctor in this one, is she? Akimi.
2: Yeah,
3: that's all they call is Akimi. So
0: They did raise uh, one of these as a – when it was a child, I guess, as a younger – is this where we see the flashback to when they were raising The flashback
3: where we find ourselves missing the cheap headpiece on the small child from the previous movie. Yeah. Where instead we have basically what can be called the – Dollar Store Chewbacca cosplay is is the best way to say it. Oh, wow. I mean, the baby Gargantua here is... Wow. Oh. Especially because, you know, both uh, Sanda and Gyra look great in terms of their costume. You know, Gyra is fur has become green as in seaweed mm-hmm. Sanda's brown and looks like almost like every step he's uh dusting off uh dirt and stuff caught in his fur those two costumes look great and then the baby looks like something they did in a weekend
0: it looks like a low-budget chaka costume from land of the lost to me it just felt very um underdeveloped. So fortunately, this is the only time we see it is during this flashback sequence. And they try real hard to make it look cute and adorable. They didn't spend a lot of money here. They put their money into the big costume, not the little one, I guess. Yeah. And what experiments were they performing here? Dr. Stewart has these wires hooked up to its head, taking readings while it's eating something. It just nonsensical. It didn't make any sense to me.
3: Could we have had a couple more scenes of it learning or, you know, trying to teach it better? Basically, all uh, Akimi teaches it is, don't rubbish through my purse, and this is how you drink through a straw.
0: <laughs> Two very important life skills to have.
3: <laughs> don't touch a woman's purse, kid. You'll survive longer <laughs> if you do.
0: <laughs> well, it's not their gargantua, but there is a gargantua. There is a Frankenstein out there attacking people, and we're going to see another attack here. There's like a little fishing village set up.
3: At the same time, they also get photos in the mountain of a giant footprint. So they essentially split into two teams. We've got Dr. Stewart and Akimi going to look at the mountains while their other associate, Dr. Majida, goes to, uh, check out the fishing village. Where I gotta tell you, Kumi is not wearing any type of, uh, climbing gear going up. She She's like got this little hat number and you know, she looks too cute to be uh, going through the mountains in the middle of nowhere. That's not hiking gear.
0: No. Not at all. It really felt more like, oh, we're just going to go take a day trip, and <laughs> maybe we'll have a picnic along the way. Mm-hmm, it's not exactly. very serious, yeah.
3: Unfortunately, we don't get a lot of Dr. Majida, because that's Kenji Sahara, which Kenji Sahara is basically the pinnacle when it comes to the kaiju. I mean, we have had him in uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Ghidorah, Son of Godzilla, Zilla vs. King Ghidorah in 1991, Mm -hmm. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, and he's done a significant amount of appearances in different Ultraman series.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, he's done a lot of Ultraman. He's in one of my absolute favorite kaiju films. He did some work in Rodan, which is just one of my favorites. So he's got the cred. He's got the history here, and I feel like he was given short drift in this he didn't have enough to do
3: he's an assistant but at the same time he's an assistant when he already has an assistant
0: mm-hmm. yeah what is his role here it's, it's unfortunate i would have liked to spend more time with him especially since i know now he's done a lot of ultraman as well and i've become um as every day goes by i become a much bigger and bigger fan of all things ultraman so i would have loved to spend more time with him
3: Right there with you, man. We're in the same cab. We're in the same yeah. cab. Uh, Ultraman experiences later in our life, but now we're finally on board. We want as much as we can get. Oh,
0: man. And I, got it. and I wanted to say this at the very beginning, if I can completely sidetrack. I learned something very important between the last time I recorded with you and now regarding Ultraman, and that's that those figures aren't very expensive. <laughs> oh, no. I know,
3: right? How many?
0: Uh, well, I've got a couple coming right now. They're not here yet, but they're they're coming. Amazon says one's going to be here today. It's only like five something. It wasn't that expensive.
3: I haven't gotten for the smaller ones. I instead of try and keep drooling over the Ultra X, which are the oh, like figure yeah. arcs with, you know, insane posability and mm-hmm. accessories. And the Ultra Acmevious, I keep pulling them up on eBay, just looking at them. It's like, 40 bucks. He's only 40 bucks. Come on. Splurge a little on yourself, Tony. Just. Break down, buy him, you know you want to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I, trying to keep within the 5 and $10 range for the individual figures, because I figure I can give up a couple of cups of coffee for an uh, Ultraman. I can do that. Right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Ultraman. We'll talk about Ultraman at some point in the future on Monster Kid Radio. Let's get back to the gargantuous,
3: Wherein uh, mm-hmm. we see Gyra getting a little bit bolder. He comes on land and attacks an airport.
0: Wow. That was pretty intense.
3: Especially as he gets a victim, not only just like you know, he gets the woman as the sun is coming out, which you know the sun is going to frighten him and all that good stuff and get him away. So you'd think that she'd be safe. No, she, he eats her, spits out the flowers that were on her desk that he grabbed in as he was eating her, and then the sun comes out and scares him off. He's brutal.
0: <laughs> uh, I was watching this movie slackjawed. You know, my mouth is just hanging up like ah. Oh. I, I had not remembered this movie being so violent and aggressive, but this movie doesn't hold back. There's a a, a level of grim and gritty to this that wasn't in the previous film that I don't see in a lot of kaiju films from this era. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't mind having a little bit of scare with my giant monsters. That's fine, but I was just surprised. Yep. His yeah,
3: Rampage of Terror keeps going from there where he attacks a nightclub where we have... A random English song being sung. It was just like.
0: That was weird. That was. Yeah. Out of the blue. Didn't expect that.
3: He picks up the singer. You think he's going to eat her, but they get him with some spotlights or something, scare him off, but she, he still drops her. They're calling for a stretcher and stuff, and she does not look like uh, she's going to be singing anytime soon after that.
0: The words will no longer be stuck in her throat at this point. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's the name of the song. This is a Scary Monster. I respond well to the scary monster. Uh The nightclub scene, I don't know the name of the song exactly. The words get stuck in my throat with the chorus. I don't know if there was ever a soundtrack album for this put out in which that was on there. I don't know if I need to hear the song again. But it's an interesting kind of out of the blue moment to further highlight how aggressive this particular beast is. Now, Sanda, he's cool. You know, he doesn't like to be involved with people. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's well, Gyra, man, stay away.
3: They seriously are yin and yang. They are the complete mm-hmm. opposites. Gyra is bloodthirsty. He wants carnage. He wants to be able to uh, fight humans. But right. Sanda is as peaceful and laid back as it comes.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Sanda's like Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Gyra's King Kong.
3: Mm-hmm. King Kong, more like King Kong in uh, the rarely talked about sequel, King Kong Lives, oh. where he was, you know, that's where he was really ripping people. You know, he's picking up hunters that are coming after him. He's twisting them apart. That's yeah. when King Kong. He woke up after that heart surgery they gave him, and he was really uh, aggressive, to say the least. An
0: unhappy, an unhappy man. Well, after the airport attack. The military has an idea. They're going to try to stop Gyra and they're going to use, was it like a, a is this where the mazer cannons come in?
3: They get an attack going first, where it doesn't do much, and Gyra actually takes one of the tanks and throws it through a house. <laughs> just like, you think it can get me? And then, the, seriously, the tank goes up and through a house. Just like, wow. Yeah. Pretty strong, pal. Yikes. It's then that they finally amp up the attack, bringing in the mazer cannons, which this is the first use of Mazer Cannons in all of Toho here.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
3: Yep. This is their first appearance. They wouldn't have another appearance until for six more years where we got them in Godzilla versus Gigan. And uh, they're setting a bunch of traps, the Mazer Cannons. And did you feel a little bit, uh, you know, just a little bit like, be careful there, guys, as they're getting ready to set up the trap. The soldiers are putting those giant electrodes into the water. Yeah. I'm just thinking, oh, this is not going to end well for somebody.
0: Nobody call OSHA on this one because this is not safe. Uh I also felt bad for the guys flying the helicopters to corral Gyra into their little trap area, sending the helicopters. What did they think was going to happen? Gyra destroys a couple of these things, killing everybody on board. Who signed up for that job?
3: Mm -hmm. It's one of the... Crap Assignment you get when you work with the JSDF. I guess so. You can't always be in the Mazer Cannon Division, <laughs> which I actually have. I have one of my most coveted uh, shirts I ha- own is a silhouetted picture of uh, the Mazer Cannon and it says, GSDF Mazer Cannon Division.
0: That's awesome. That sounds yes. awesome.
3: <laughs> I, I, bought them, I bought it once uh, at a convention in uh, Tennessee and I haven't found one
0: since. Oh, that's great. I love the Mazer Cannons. I love the way they oh, look yeah. and the way they move. I love the way they move, the the way they race or turn. it's great. Mm-hmm. They look good.
3: The attack goes pretty successful against Gyro using the Mazer Cannons, the electrodes in the water, and some weird like laser pods that they shoot that them, like right in the shins and ankles. Yeah. Gotta tell you, it's almost like one of the best uh laid out attacks we've ever had in, in all the different kaiju movies. They're coming and we got we know just how to hit him to make sure that he's uh gonna feel it.
0: And, and they do. They they manage to subdue him and they, they stop him. Except
3: dun, dun, dun.
0: doesn't Sanda come to his rescue. Gargantua. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw this and Sanda comes to save Gyra. And I'm thinking they're buds. There's not gonna be a war of any gargantuas here. What are they gonna go fight together?
3: I especially love that uh with yeah. War of the Gargantuas, when Sanda appears He's very expressive. I mean, he appears and, you know, he sees the damage that's done and he shoots the entire, all the army guys, this look of disapproval, like, what is wrong with you guys? And then he, like, he helps Skyra limp off and then he, like, raises his arm and gives this wave, like, we're cool. We're cool. You don't come after us. We don't come after you. Let's end it here. Just like, Wow. But, yeah, that's the kind of uh, (laughs) level of peacefulness that is inside of him. He's like, you know, okay, I know he did some bad things, but I'll keep him under wraps, and we're going to be good.
0: I really liked the Sanda suit. I mean, you see it with the gyro suit, but you said he's very expressive. And I feel like maybe we get more close-ups of the Sanda face than we do with the gyro face, and that's maybe why I picked up on it. But I really enjoyed the design of the monster, and I really... (laughs) Thought that there was a lot of communication happening behind the eyes. There was a lot happening here. I'm not sure who the suit actor was, but whoever it was, he did a phenomenal Truly. job.
3: Now it's at this time that we get them talking. They name them. This is where the gyra and Sanda names come in. And it's also where uh, Dr. Stewart and kimi start talking. And Dr. Stewart says it was probably right after the battle, right near, uh I forgot which lake they said specifically, but he was near a lake. That ran to the sea, part of him broke off enough to regenerate into a new uh, monster, and that's how Gyra was born.
0: So they're not brothers, they're not father-son, they're clones.
3: It's at this point that uh, Dr. Stewart insists that the destruction entirely of the cells is necessary. It's also that they reiterate, or at least redouble their efforts to keep uh, insisting that, don't hurt Sanda, he's not the bad guy Gyra is which is the same thing that they've been saying the entire movie, almost coming off like a broken record. It's just like, they're not evil. He's not evil. He's not evil. Oh, wait, there is an evil one. Well, that one's evil, but our guy's not evil. Just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, our guy's cool, man. Don't (laughs) understand it. Don't understand it. It's like, (laughs) we got it. Oh, my. Where's Nick Adams at least putting some levity behind it as he's, you know? just. They're not helping really they're just yeah. coming off as they're not offering any type of research or something. I mean it was Dr. Uh, Majita who uh, who'd got the cells and compared them to uh, when they find some of Gyra's fur to showcase that they are the same creature, but they didn't analyze it they didn't you know go back to their findings, see if there was any type of serum they could have used to incapacitate the Gargantuas in any way, shape or form they are just you know they're just sitting on the sidelines insisting oh, we can't kill Sanda. She's like, can't you offer any type of more help, guys?
0: Yeah, give us a little bit more here. Because <laughs>
3: the are doing a pretty effective job of taking care of things.
0: Well, our efforts don't really matter too much because eventually Sanda and Gaira aren't going to start fighting.
3: They start fighting because uh, as they're in the mountains, Akimi falls and is rescued by Sanda. While at the same time, Gaira right. decides to binge out on what can essentially be the stupidest people in the entire world. I mean, seriously, you, <laughs> there are reports of monsters in the area, and you decide to go take a picnic in that area. You're almost bringing, out, you're bringing your deaths on yourselves at that point.
0: Is this, uh, you yeah, know, this a Darwin, Darwin Award-winning winning moment. moment? These
3: kids are going out yeah. there. They're being loud as humanly possible in a convertible, and they get eaten. And Sandra comes back, sees all the discarded bloody clothes. There's your uh, prime example of your ex- facial expressions, uh, Daryl. He is he is yes. not happy. He realizes that you know he can't get along with Gyra like he thought he could. And instead, what does he do? He uproots a tree and starts bashing Gyra in the head with it.
0: As you do when you realize you're not really that good a buddy with somebody, right? <laughs> and when this oh, is man. going back to that the was- whole
3: how brutal is gyra as a character as they start fighting gyra starts biting
0: it's it's mean i mean you went straight to the biting and he's a mean guy you know something happened to him under the ocean i don't know what happened but he is not of the same stock as Sanda. Cassandra. i mean he fights when he has to but that's about it gyra just is brutal and he goes to the biting and then it, the rest of the movie seems to be chasing them around yeah. as they're beating the heck out of each other i'm okay with that <laughs> There's your war, one of the is right there. Yep. We're back
3: in the city now with Dr. Stewart and Akimi, who, again, going back to the whole making sure she's as cute as humanly possible, we get Akimi going around in like this white dress number, like she's about ready to go out to the nightclubs. And <laughs> just like, how are you able to afford all this high-end fashion on a science assistance budget? <sighs> but, yeah, she's looking uh, as yeah. cute as possible as... uh Gaira decides to attack the city and actually ends up cornering off uh, Akemi and Dr. Stewart in a subway. Gaira bashes through the wall on top and buries Akemi in some rubble. Not enough to kill her, just enough to give her that whole, oh, I'm hurt, I've got to be carried off and attended to style of, that they do in monster movies. Right. And this time, once again, we got the, the final War of the Gargantua start with Sanda reappearing.
0: The collateral damage.
3: Oh, wow. Thought, yeah. You to, well, the first thing I thought of collateral damage is what was it? Was it the maser can or some of the tanks? But their firing at uh, the Gargantua was totally missing, and they take out an entire building just on their own.
0: <laughs> uh, the military or the defense force, excuse me, they're just throwing artillery all around the place. And I don't know who did more damage at the beginning of the fight, you know, us or them, because it was a mess. And You know, I'm thinking back to the beginning of the movie where they're telling the sailor that they found, oh, there's no such thing as Frankenstein's anymore. There's nothing. (laughs) You live through this on a regular basis in Japan. (laughs) Yeah. I don't – this is what happens. Every couple of years, a monster shows up and trashes everything. And
3: this isn't even a movie where we're supposed to be shocked with the appearance of giant monsters. This is a sequel. Frankenstein fought Baragon on the top of Mount Fuji. There are photos of it. You know, there is recorded Mm -hmm. damage. Baragon – chewed up and spit out a couple characters. And you still want to go straight for the, oh, no, no way this could happen. No yep. way at all. Just like, guys, you're not coming off looking the best here. I got to say. Yeah, somebody's,
0: somebody's not paying attention. But Sanda and Gar <laughs> prove them wrong. They make their presence felt. by they, they, they tear up. I mean, it's a long, long fight, too. It's longer than most.
3: And it's very interesting how they fight because, you know, going back to the whole brutal fighting with Gyra with his biting and really trying to shrug off his good clone, mm-hmm. the entire time Sanda fights, I noticed he was trying to be as, like, defensive as humanly possible. He's, you know, doing side throws, he's, you know, doing push-offs, he's trying to still restrain his uh, his evil side without fully, you know, beating into him. There's a moment where Gyra actually starts bashing sand head repeatedly over and over again into the road, just like bouncing his head off the ground. Like he's a basketball.
0: It goes from a wrestling match to a street fight pretty quickly.
3: Yeah. I, I wrote down tackle fighting, which is really oh. what happens. They just tackle fight. That's where your cloud damage really comes from. They just keep tackle fighting one another into uh different buildings.
0: That's a really great way to put it. And that's, that's exactly what happens. The, the buildings are getting trashed. The the town is getting destroyed. They eventually move the fight back out into the ocean.
3: But not before uh, Gyra once again decides to use a boat as a weapon.
0: I commented on this in Frankenstein Conquest of the World when we were talking about this, that I appreciated that we got to see a monster pick up something and then use it as a thrown weapon of some sort. And I appreciated that we got to see Sanda use a tree as a club on his clone brother thing. And then we also see... The ships being thrown around as a weapon—that's scary. It's not just going around stomping things. They're using their opposable thumbs to cause more damage, and it's—it's it's terrifying.
3: I still remember that picking up that tank and throwing it up. That was just like, yeah, just like never see like any other monsters flipping up tanks. You know, they use their offensive attacks. You know, Godzilla's blowing it away with his energy blast and stuff. No one's, uh, you know, picking them up and tossing them.
0: So we get that, and then we do move into the ocean and. I don't know. This is not where I would want to go if I was Sanda.
3: No, you're on your uh, evil enemy's home turf.
0: What did you think of how it ultimately ended?
3: Okay, apparently there's a bomb that goes off, which causes the volcano to erupt out of nowhere, underwater, and killing them both. The ending seems rushed, and what I actually wrote down, it seems almost like a brag shot. You know when two people are, like, playing basketball and they try to brag out each other what they could do before they say nothing but net? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. That's exactly what it feels like. Off the streets of Tokyo, through the ocean, into the sun-appearing volcano, (laughs) nothing but net. (laughs) I mean, seriously, they they are, you know, I know with more primal monsters that didn't have an offensive weapon, a a death was was more dependent on environmental forces. Of course, you know, I've looked at it. I still want to make a list once I go through and recount them, but Godzilla himself gets defeated by, you know, just being cast out to sea multiple times. But this, I know they made a point of having to say destroying the cells so they can't regenerate, Mm
2: -hmm. but
3: it just feels rushed. That's all it really comes down to. This feels so rushed and so out of nowhere with an inactive underground volcano appearing and killing both characters.
0: It does seem to come out of the blue. I agree with you. I am I agree with you 100%. It does feel a little out of the blue. And boy, sure is nice that Mother Nature cooperated to help us take care of the monsters we couldn't take care of ourselves. Huh? You know? Uh-huh. But I suppose they have to have a way to end it. They didn't follow up. This is the only time the Gargantulas appear in a film, isn't it?
3: In a film, but I've yet to uh, finally get down and read them because I'm instead of single issues, I've been more reading comics via graphic novels. But apparently mm-hmm. the now legendary run of uh, Godzilla Rulers of Earth mm-hmm. with the 25 issues, which now is the longest running Godzilla series in history, they have the Gargantuas reappear.
0: I was going to comment on that. I am about halfway through that run because I've been picking them up as collected editions as I go. And they do appear in there. Yeah. And they do have that kind of yin-yang, at each other, not really relationship.
3: I just got to break down and buy them. But yeah, the actual full compressed graphic novels is how I'm going to end up picking it up.
0: No, I don't normally go for the Godzilla comics just because I, I haven't really given them a shot. But I'm really glad I gave this series a shot. Again, we're sidetracking, but I recommend it. Godzilla, Rulers of Earth. It's a great comic book story. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. But yeah, they do turn up there. But I would have loved to have seen at least Sanda turn up in another film because I really like Sanda. And I don't know if it's because he's the good guy. I don't know if it's because they spend more time on his face and you get to see more of the expression and the suit acting. But I really like Sanda.
3: Godzilla versus the was was a, one of the planned but unsuccessful attempts at just basically ideas that got left on the uh, Toho uh, floor.
0: Oh, that's a shame.
3: The idea was basically Godzilla would fight an entire, like, fleet of gyros before finally making to like the king uh gargantua or something oh wow that it really did sound like amazing just like why didn't we get this movie this would have been at the height of godzilla's a hero in the showa era this would have been awesome he's throwing them into one to the other he's flame blasting another that sounds so cool why didn't we get this movie
0: that would have been amazing. Well, there are tons of these woulda, coulda, shoulda, boy, I sure would have liked to have seen that film stories out there. I would have loved to have seen uh, Frankenstein versus King Kong. You know, I would have loved to have seen all that, and I would have loved to have seen more Gargantua, especially fighting a Godzilla proper. That would have been great. Oh, yeah. Overall, though, I think this movie does pack a punch. It is something that I really enjoyed revisiting and talking about. I have it on DVD here. I have that set, the Rodan Gargantua set. I'm sure I'll be exploring that some more.
3: Yeah, I definitely will rewatch it again. This one, I don't know, more than the uh, previous Frankenstein versus Baragon. I don't know, what if it's maybe because it the first appearance of the Mazerkans, the unique no, relationship between Gyra and Sanda, but other than the uh, rushed ending, this one really is a fun ride.
0: I think that's the best way to put it, too. It, it's a fun ride with one heck of a climax. It does seem to go on a little long in spots, but Man, it is the war that you're looking for. The title promises a war of gargantuas, and you're going to get it. And you're going to get not just punching each other. You said tackle fighting. There's street fighting happening here. The biting, the hitting each other with – or hitting somebody with a a tree uprooted as a club. It's fantastic.
3: I'm surprised since they were right there in the streets of Tokyo. Why didn't one of them grab a car and hit the other one in the face with it?
0: Oh, that would have been great. I know. Yeah, I would actually – Boy, I don't know if this is sacrilegious to say or not. I would say this final fight scene is right up there for me personally, along with the the fist fight and They Live. I loved it. Top ten. Yeah. Oh, certainly, of course.
3: Almost top five with uh, best uh, overall kaiju-related fist fights. But best uh, all-overall monster fights, there's a list to put together right there.
0: Make a note here for future episode ideas. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. Do you watch the Oscars, the Academy Awards, when they when they air? Oh, yes. I remember years ago, Brad Pitt came on and said this was the first movie he remembered seeing.
3: Yeah, actually, that's what they're quoting on the Wikipedia, that this inspired him to go into acting.
0: What do you think of that?
3: Well, considering we said that, you know, Russ is almost phoning in his uh, his appearance, I can only assume that, you know, it's uh, Kumi Musno's performance as Akemi that uh, really inspired him.
0: I would hope so. I know his first film was a, a low-budget slasher movie, but... How different would Hollywood be if he decided to go toward more of the fantasy monster movies long term since this was the first one he saw?
3: Oh, wow. Oh, what if we had gotten him for uh, the Sony Godzilla movie?
0: Oh, boy. Um, That makes my brain hurt a little bit, actually.
3: (laughs) It actually makes it's actually one of those things like you would have saved the movie. Why? Why didn't you save the movie?
0: (laughs) Could, could, Could he have saved the movie?
3: No, I've gone on, I've uh, refined my, I said it was one thing, but gone on record since uh, a recent rewatch a couple years ago. What really drags down that movie more than anything else is Audrey Timmons. Really? I swear, looking it over, her as a character, she as the character is probably one of the worst characters in all of Kaiju. She's, her whole thing is talking about, uh, is her career, she doesn't really redeem herself to her boyfriend, you know, she doesn't, you know, she says she's sorry, but. There is no moment that she doesn't do what she was going to do anyway. you know, be a reporter, report on Godzilla and all this stuff. Taking it a step further, once they went to, once they did the comics, not the comics, the cartoon on Fox Kids, which is, if you want to talk about something to watch, watch Godzilla's uh, cartoon before you think about picking up his Sony movie ever again, because the cartoon is just so much fun and so many different monster homages and moments that, you know, just sing to me as a kaiju fan, but... Every episode with Audrey that's – as a guest star, uh, once they have her on is basically going around the same circle of pointing out Audrey and uh, Nick trying to date, realizing that they're – where they are with their careers are clashing. And then at the end of the episode, they're realizing, oh, we're still going to keep trying, la da la da You just spent the whole episode realizing why you don't work as a couple.
0: Oh, please stop this. I have not watched the cartoon. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard the cartoon is much better than the movie but not by much. Uh that Godzilla does appear in the comic book though.
3: Godzilla? Yeah, he does appear. In,
0: yeah, they do he does appear in rulers of the earth briefly. Not long enough to ruin anything though.
3: <laughs> Luckily.
0: And even if he did show up too long, Jet Jaguar shows up and saves everything. So, you know, not to spoil it, but you got Jet Jaguar to look forward to.
3: Hey, Jet Jaguar's fun, you know.
0: I love Jet Jaguar. I wish there were more Jet Jaguar out there. So. Did
3: you ever play the uh, Xbox game or the Xbox no. or PCS two game Rulers of Earth where they Battle of Earth or whatever it was, the second game where you got they actually added in Jet Jaguar?
0: Oh no, I haven't. Is it is it fun?
3: It's fun, and the thing about it is you he has size control abilities, so you can actually shrink down into a tinier form and run around faster and uh, kick the monsters in their shins. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I mean, now I've got the Jet Jaguar song stuck in my head, but that sounds amazing.
3: It is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. one of the best party games ever. You can get four people around, get some kaiju action going on. It's one of the best things you can ever happen.
0: And if you don't have that, watch War of the Gargantuas. It's a you good go. film. There, there you, you go. go. Throw I mean, this how, one in, and mm-hmm.
3: you won't be disappointed.
0: I don't think so. I mean, you might, when Russ Samlin shows up, use that opportunity to you know get something out of the kitchen, grab a drink. Pop the popcorn or whatever, because you're not going to miss too much, because it doesn't sound like he was missing too much.
3: Not for too long, though, or else you might miss uh, Akimi, who is, as a human character, she's uh, carrying the whole movie on her shoulders.
0: She really is. It's more her responsibility in this movie than Frankenstein Conquers the World, which is too bad, because I feel like the human characters are better in Frankenstein Conquers the World. Yeah. Oh, well.
3: Kumi Mizuno, this is why in a small island somewhere in the world, she's worshipped as a goddess.
0: I think that's good. Highly recommend The War of the Gargantuas. I think it's a fun film. I think it's a fun ride. And, I mean, if you're a kaiju fan, obviously you need to see it. But even if you're not, even if you're a little gun-shy or lukewarm on the kaiju films, I think this one's going to bring a lot for you to enjoy.
3: I can definitely recommend it as a movie that would. But it's basically one of the ones I would recommend to the whole, you know, unlike Godzilla's Revenge, which I we started at the beginning of the podcast where I slammed on, this isn't a masterpiece, but this is definitely one that could, that's could that got that good, solid B level, B as in my rating style, level of fun to watch. And you'll still get a lot out of it, uh, Kaiju Film, that you really want to push more. Not a masterpiece, but still really, really good.
0: I was going to ask you what kind of a rating you would give it. Have you talked about it on your Gigantic now, Project website?
3: No, and now that we've done this uh, podcast, I'll probably put it off to the done pile in terms of different uh, kaiju movies I've gone over.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's so many out there.
3: Oh, yeah. The, I actually so. put, made a list on Google Docs. I've got about, just without uh, watching anything new, two years worth of content, and three years after that of stuff I still got to watch and so I can review.
0: <laughs> well, and at some point, we're going to do some Ultraman stuff, and I'm going to ask you to be along for the ride on that. So
3: Looking forward to it.
0: So, so keep that on the list, too. Yep. Tony, I want to thank you for bringing the movie to Monster Kid Radio and for spending some time with us uh, to talk about the film. I know we were kind of under a time crunch in terms of scheduling, so thanks for working with me on that.
3: I, lo- I love what you do, Derek, and I'm always happy to come on and spread the good love of uh, giant monsters and fighting against them and watching them destroy the world.
0: <laughs> it's a good way to spend the weekend. Pretty much. That's right. Yeah. So people can find you at The Gigantic Project com and are you still doing are you killing your fandom.com
3: I actually put it on hiatus I got some other things I want to focus my time on and it was a blog that uh, was just really becoming strenuous so it's on hiatus for a little bit and I'm gonna see what other uh, different stuff I can accomplishments I can get uh, working on.
0: Okay. Well, that website's still there, so the archives are there to be explored, but definitely keep up with Tony at the gigantic project at thegiganticproject.com or follow the link in the show notes. Tony, thank you so much. No problem, man. Again, you're gonna to want to go to the gigantic project. This is where you're going to find Tony and his reviews of all things Kaiju Mecca and everything large. You can also find him over at AreYouKillingYourFandom.com. Again, there will be links in the show notes. Tony, thank you for appearing on the show to talk about the War of the Gargantulas. This was a lot of fun.
1: They have never lived before as they live now. One man has already died and the other was never born. Both exist in a world between life and death. Both long to be human. Neither can ever be. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Ten dead men's bodies were used to fashion Dr. Frankenstein's infamous creature. Tens of dozens of victims have kept Count Dracula alive for three centuries. Only one of these beings will survive their meeting. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Brand new thrills, brand new horror, brand new shock. Dracula versus Frankenstein in color, rated GP.
0: Head over to StephenDSullivan.com, and that's Stephen with a PH. Or you know what? Just go to SDSullivan.com, and you're going to learn everything you need to know about the guy who called in about Doctor Who. Hey,
2: Steve Sullivan here calling in with an apology to all true whovians out there in my one of my calls to monster kid radio that ran on episode 234 i mistakenly said that john pertui was doctor who number two of course that's totally wrong because he was doctor who number three we have uh hartnell Trouton, and then pertui and then baker and on and on and on anyway you all know that i know it too i speak uh off the cuff when i do these short calls a lot of the time and i don't work from notes so I just, I just blew it. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry everybody. As to talking about Doctor Who or Dark Shadows on Monster Food Radio, I am totally up for that anytime you want to do it. I love both those shows. I've seen Dark Shadows, which is my favorite television show of all time. I've probably seen every episode of that twice. Some I've seen three, four, or five times, maybe even more. So, and I'm working my way through it again. So I love that show, and uh, you want me? Just call. And anyone that hears me say something that's wrong on this cast, speak up, because sometimes I'm just working off the top of my head, and I make mistakes. So, And I know I made a mistake at the end of The Screaming Skull, where I thought the character said, rats, and he, in fact, apparently said, rest. See, we all make mistakes. Anyway, have a great one. Looking forward to the next show. Take care.
0: Steve, you are more Hoovian than I am. No idea. I was taking notes, and I'm glad you called in with an update. Let's call it an addendum. Not a correction, but an addendum. Uh, A retcon, to use the word that Tony and I talked about earlier when we were talking about War of the Gargantuas. Does that work? I don't know. I do want to watch Doctor Who. I do want to get through the rest of Dark Shadows. There's just so much out there that I want to consume. Classic monster material and some not so classic, obviously. But there's so much out there. And if I had the time, you know, I'd be all over it. A Doctor Who podcast, I don't know if I could commit to that. A Dark Shadows podcast, it would be amazing. And I know I keep mentioning Ultraman. An Ultraman show would be amazing too. You know, there's just so much that I would love to talk about podcast wise. It's just a matter of finding the time, the energy and the resources to making it happen. Stay tuned everybody because one of the reasons why we went weekly with Monster Kid Radio so that I can work on a few other projects that may eventually domino themselves into me being able to do more. Maybe fingers crossed. We'll see. Thanks for calling in Steve. If you would like to call in like Stephen D. Sullivan did, call us. Our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. Or you can email monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can find this information over on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you'll find links to everything that we talk about here on the show as well as links to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way. You can find links to every single song that's appeared on every single episode of Monster Kid Radio to go support those bands. You can subscribe to the Monster Rally Checkpoint monthly e-newsletter by entering your email address over there on the right. Hitting subscribe and then once a month you're going to get a newsletter about all things Monster Kid Radio with some original content, original columns, reviews, even monster movie trivia questions. We have a link to our Facebook group where you can join the group and get involved with conversations with Monster Kid Radio listeners between episodes or even while you listen. If you're in the Portland, Oregon area, or specifically if you're in the Tigered, Oregon area, it's right next to Portland and Beaverton and all those others, you got to check out the Joy Cinema at the Joy Cinema This is one of the movie theaters that I go to most often when I need a fix for some classic, or usually not so classic, monster movies. They have an event they call Weird Wednesday, and every once in a while, I even have the opportunity to introduce the films. Jeff Punkrock Martin is a monster kid, he's one of us, he's called in before, he's been on the show in the past, and he loves these movies, and... I think he loves the movie that he and I have been talking about showing at the joy cinema as part of their weird Wednesday series on Wednesday, September 30th.
1: Here he is. Watch out for here is a superhuman with the strength of a hundred men. And nothing seems able to stop him. Invincible, invulnerable. Argoman, the fantastic Superman. But even he had his Achilles' heel—a beautiful woman's kiss. Kill each other. Kill each other. Ah! Argoman, the fantastic Superman. Kill each other. A man gifted with such extraordinary powers that ordinary men were helpless to cope with him everyone and everything was pitted against him from hired killers to the most diabolical inventions of modern science the world's most beautiful women vied for his favors or the chance to kill him each other Argo man the fantastic superman picture which will take you on a journey out of time, carry you on a crest of thrills and laughter from start to finish. Be sure to see this Superman power. Don't miss it.
0: Argo Man, the Fantastic Superman. This is one of my favorite European films, one of my favorite movies, period. I love and adore this sexy superhero romp spy movie through Europe. Roger Brown is the lead actor in this film, and he is amazing. I love this movie so much that the Dorado Films podcast, which I swear will be launching later this month, is a feature on this film and includes an interview with Roger Argoman Brown himself. Keep an eye on doradofilms.com slash podcast for that. Here's the deal about Weird Wednesday at the Joy Cinema. It's free to get in. Now, it's a 21 and over only event, and that's because they serve alcohol. They serve all sorts of great things at the snack bar, and that's the only way they make any money on Weird Wednesday. So bring your appetite, bring your wallet, and bring a desire to enjoy this 1960s European superhero film. It'll be a great time. Looks like I'm going to be getting up and introducing the film as well. So, yeah. You know what? Let's say it right now. Let's call it Monster Kid Radio is crashing the Joy Cinema on September 30th for Argo Man, the Fantastic Superman. If you're a Facebook user, stay tuned because I will be creating a Facebook event for the crash. Monster Kid Radio wants you. If you have wiki skills, here's the thing. Monster Kid Radio is going to be putting together a Wikipedia cyber street team. If you are skilled in the ways of Wikipedia, if you can speak their language and code their coding, we would like to ask you for your help. Now this is not a formalized campaign or anything like that, but if you ever hear anything about any of the topics that we talk about here on monster kid radio that you think needs to be on Wikipedia, well, go ahead and do it. Monster kid radio does have a Wikipedia page. So you can go ahead and link back to us over there. We're just trying to get more information about these movies out into the general public. Kind of make it a little bit more common knowledge because the more people who know about these movies and know the trivia about these movies, the better. The more monster kids there are, well, the more people we get to go see awesome movies with and talk about movies with and go to conventions. I mean, it's part of our spreading the word and fighting the good fight for these films. So if you know how to use Wikipedia and you hear somebody mention something about Nosferatu, Creature from the Black Lagoon, House of Wax, Destination Interspace, any movie that we've talked about here on the show, we'd like to encourage you to update Wikipedia with that information. To be clear, I'm not asking you to update the Monster Kid Radio Wikipedia page. We don't need that. What we do need is more information about well, what we love out there on the internet. I want to thank everybody for checking out the show. You know, one of the best things that you can do for any podcaster is reviewing them over on iTunes, retweeting their tweets, sharing their Facebook posts about new episodes. We want to spread the Monster Kid Radio signal far and wide. The more listeners, the bigger the community, the more fun everybody has here on the show because we get a greater depth of people to pull from to put on the show as guests. And speaking of which, next week we have returning guest, sculptor Tom Spiegler. tom's a dear friend of mine and when he wanted to talk about the ray harryhausen film from 1964 first men in the moon i jumped at it especially since i just watched the movie on blu-ray right before talking with tom about this film so that's happening in the next episode of monster kid radio again that's next week next tuesday you'll hear episode 236 Thanks for all the kind words about the switch to a weekly schedule instead of two episodes a week. I appreciate that. I hope you continue to enjoy Monster Kid Radio because I enjoy producing it. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Bikini at all. That belongs to the band The Revomatics. Look them up over at TheRevomatics.com and you'll see that they have an upcoming show on October 30th at Lucky Joe's Tiki Room in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You can buy their album, We Come in Peace, through iTunes and Amazon. You can buy their previous albums through TheRevomatics.bandcamp.com. You can also find them on Facebook. However you get a hold of them, however you buy the album, let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next week.